Welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, for this week 13 preview show, joined by the man himself, friend in life, and the individual who ate his wife's cranberry sauce because he has a happy marriage, John Paulson. Paulson, how's it going, buddy? That's a nice uh, callback for from last week, uh, the, the Thanksgiving, or the two weeks ago, the Thanksgiving show. Uh, I guess it was last week. So, uh, yeah, doing pretty well. Week 13, getting towards the end of the season. Uh, I'm looking forward to some time off, but uh, we got a, some fantasy playoffs to win, and we still have four to five weeks to go. You are not kidding about the time off. Also, you you weren't aware of this, but my favorite, I'm trying to think right now, but yes, my favorite line of comedy and humor is the callback. Callbacks are always great because it also shows the other person you listen. Sam Hoppin, director of analytics. I also listen to you, but you're just out running in the snow, so nothing really to discuss. Uh, I'm not running in the snow. I, I signed up for a an in-person gym for the first time since COVID started. And uh, I have been back there a couple times this week, avoiding the now blistering cold in Chicago. Good for you. Uh, Happy to see you making those strides, getting back into a normal routine. But like both of you, I was excited for time off. I thought it was smooth sailing being week 13 uh, the rest of the way. But then we have a plethora of fallouts to discuss here. And let's start with Travis Etienne, who Coach Doug Peterson did say is day-to-day, said he quote-unquote feels good about Etienne's chances of playing, but also said they weren't going to rush him back. And so if Etienne is active, I would think he's 100% good to go. Otherwise, I would expect Jermichael Hasty and, of course, Daryl Henderson hanging around here after they picked him up off waivers from the Rams to make his debut. Paulson. Let's assume Etienne plays given his current status. What do you feel about Etienne and Hasty in week 13 and the second highest total of the week against the Lions? Yeah, this is a definitely a game to target for DFS and fantasy owners or fantasy managers. Uh, I did downgrade Etienne's distributions a little bit this week, thinking that if they do play him, that they won't necessarily give him the every down type role that they have been giving him. Uh, and maybe take, you know, Hasty's played pretty well, especially in the passing game. Uh, they do have Henderson now in the mix, so who knows? Uh, but the, the thing that led me to believe that he's going to play is that they said that he could have returned to the game, but they decided to hold him out uh, last week uh, after the injury. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what he does this week. And um, I think if he does play, he's a RB, high end RB2, low end RB1. Uh, if he's out, then you're probably looking at Hasty in another big role, and it just depends on how quickly they want to get uh, Daryl Henderson involved uh, in the offense. I think he was a nice uh, pickup for them, giving them some depth at running back, given uh, the uh, James Robinson trade. And Hasty did out-touch Snoop Connor 17-3 to close the game. So we would think that if Henderson falls into that same role as Connor, it's then useless. But at the same time, maybe they want to see more of what they have in Henderson and him being a fresh body on the roster, Sam. So how do you think this plays out if, let's say, Etienne were surprisingly scratched in this game? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I totally forgot about Daryl Henderson <laughs> being picked up by the Jaguars. So I, I was all ready to you know, pump up Jamichael Hasty here. He played on 78% of the team snaps was basically the workhorse uh besides uh etn and so 
it it's you know with this situation and a lot of the situations we're we're going to talk about where we have a guy Daryl Henderson in this scenario where he didn't play last week but is expected to play this week and it's just going to muddle everything. So I think if ETN is out, I would lean Hasty over Henderson given again the fact that he Hasty has been with the team this entire year he made some some really great catches he had that nice uh touchdown better throw from from Lawrence but uh a nice receiving touchdown there had 12 carries wasn't particularly efficient only had 2.3 yards per carry on those 12 carries but i think in the matchup against the Detroit Lions i think Hasty or Henderson could be again to to Paulson's point sneaky uh, starts for DFS and hasty five and a half yards per touch off that bench. That amazing wheel route for that receiving touchdown from Trevor Lawrence as well. An incredible start for sure. If ETN is ruled out here, another backfield we need to discuss is the jets because Michael Carter DMP on Wednesday listed day to day with his ankle injury. But more importantly, Robert Sala said, not only has on Knight earned a role moving forward, regardless of Carter's status, but he said the running back rotation is a quote-unquote week-to-week thing, and that includes James Robinson, who was healthy scratched in favor of Zondervan Knight this past game. So Paulson, after we saw Carter out-touch Zondervan Knight 8-5 to in the first half in a timeshare, and then Knight out-touched Ty Johnson 12-5 to in the second half once Carter was injured, what are we speculating with this backfield? And let's assume that Carter is out for Week 13. Yeah, if he's out, uh, I think the pecking order right now appears to be Knight, Johnson, and then Robinson. I do think that Robinson could get another look. We've seen him as a feature back. Uh, the Jets know that he can be a feature back, but it does appear like they want to get Knight involved. He did pretty well last week, 14 carries, 69 yards. He had three catches for 34 yards, so a big yardage game for him against a very bad Bears defense. Uh, so if if Carter's out, I would, and I have ranked uh, – them in that order Knight uh Johnson and Robinson but it wouldn't be shocking for you know Robinson to not I mean I, I don't think he'd be the, the the lead back overnight given what they did with Knight last week but he might uh you know take over for Ty Johnson but Ty Johnson had five carries for 62 yards and a touchdown he looked good as well so really no reason to force Robinson back up the depth chart if they viewed him as a healthy scratch last week um it might take him a few weeks if if carter's out a while for him to try to get any sort of role in that in that backfield and mike white throwing to this backfield collectively for the second highest target share on the team garrett wilson 28 and a half percent of the team's targets the running backs combined 25 percent any thoughts on this backfield or garrett wilson overall sam moving forward Mike White, of course, who also over this next month of the season seems like a fringe QB1 starter in QB2 leagues, given that the Jets will now close out, well, this week against the Vikings, but also the Bills, the Lions, and the Jaguars in their next four games as well. Yeah, so going back to the backfield, I I would not really be interested in Ty Johnson. Five of his eight uh, opportunities seven opportunities came when New York had a 14 plus point lead in the second half against the bears. Again, a a terrible defense overall. So I would put the the pecking order as Knight Robinson Johnson, just because I believe in Robinson's talent 
a little bit more than Ty Johnson, who I think is sort of just a guy at this point. But all of these, not all of, but the running back position for the Jets will continue to have a lot of value too uh, because of what you pointed out with the target share that Mike White has for the running back position. Garrett Wilson, Wilson looks like a star. They play the Vikings this week who should be able to put up some points against what has been a really good Jets defense. So I think it's starting to be clear that, again, Mike White is targeting the the two best receivers on this team in, in Wilson and Elijah Moore, who got his first touchdown of the year this past week as well. So I'm I'm pretty bullish on this Jets offense with Mike White under center, even if they, for some reason, go to Joe Flacco. As long as it's not Zach Wilson, I think there is upside for a lot of these Jets players. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported that Najee Harris did not suffer a serious abdomen injury on Monday night, fortunately, but his status for Week 13 is up in the air. Jalen Warren, of course, also dealing with that soft tissue hamstring injury. And although Mike Tomlin, Paulson, said it's not anything to wor- that he's worried about, Warren also didn't practice at any point last week, including Saturday, ahead of Monday night. So I do worry about his status ahead of Week 13, and that's important since the Falcons are allowing the ninth most schedule-adjusted fantasy points to enemy backfields. So let's assume knowing that we aren't sure of Warren's status, we think Harris will miss this game. How would you handle Snell and Anthony McFarlane in that situation? Yeah, I definitely think that Warren is ahead of those two if he's healthy. But Absolutely. We don't know if he, yeah, we don't know if he's healthy. Uh, Benny Snell's first 12 carries came last week. Uh, Anthony McFarlane's first six carries came last week, whereas Warren's been playing behind Harris this entire time. So just a question of his health. If he's healthy, or if he's able to play, I probably would rank him as sort of a dicey RB two, RB three, just because of the hamstring. We just don't know what they're gonna, how they're gonna approach his workload if he were uh, the lead back. Uh, if if Warren is out, uh, we saw Snell with 13 touches last week, uh, McFarland uh, with uh, eight, and I, you know I think we'll probably see some kind of running back by committee between those two. Uh, Snell's efficiency was pretty good, 62 yards in those 12 carries. McFarland was good too, 30 yards on six carries. So probably a rotation between those two. They don't love either of those players, but they know they can turn to him in a pinch if if both Harris and uh, Warren are out. Sam, any thoughts on the Steelers wide receiver situation? Because we are seeing Kenny Pickett continue to lower the bar weekly and having the lowest completion rate on throws 10 plus yards downfield since he took over as starter. Uh, the receivers, I think, I mean, George Pickens looks like the real deal at this point. He's he's made a spectacular catch almost e- each week, it looks like, and he's got a much further downfield uh, average depth of target. So the lack of accuracy downfield from uh, Pickett is, is a little bit concerning, but I do think it's that Johnson and Pickens are – are both flex options at at this point. They the Steelers are still passing the ball quite a bit uh from a pass rate over expectation standpoint. So I do think that those two and Pat Fryermuth, who didn't have a, a great game this past week against the Colts, do hold some do hold some value, even though Pickett hasn't been phenomenal as a quarterback. Yeah, and I think you look at Pickett. 
this is he's the problem. You know, you you've got I see a lot of Deontay Johnson slander because he's getting tons of targets and not pr- producing a whole lot. But I mean, you're looking at a quarterback who's thrown for three touchdowns in eight games, eight interceptions, six yards per attempt. He's got a pretty nice rapport or decent or at least a better rapport with George Pickens than he does with Deontay Johnson. But Deontay Johnson gets open at will. We know this over the years that he's continue continuously performed very well in Matt Harmon's charting over reception perception. Uh, his open score, I believe that's at uh, next gen ESPN next gen stats is excellent. Uh, he gets open at will, but he doesn't uh, have any sort of rapport with uh, Pickett and Pickett can't deliver the ball to him at all. And then you got three, like I said, three touchdowns. So with that sort of low scoring offense, passing offense, both these guys are going to be dicey, but Pickens is at least able uh, to make these contested catches, which is important when you have a picket throwing the ball. Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver 54 in points per game this year, which I am not saying that's his fault. That's his problem. I do blame that on Kenny Pickett, but at the same time, it's our problem if we start him, which I do not care about his target. So still a concern for me moving forward. On Josh Jacobs, though, Paulson, I do believe he plays, but the report right now from NFL Network's Mike Garofolo is that Jacobs is simply hoping to play after he was seriously injured in practice on Friday ahead of Sunday. And then of course rolled out for 39 touches, 50 fantasy points and overall RB one week. Let's pretend as if Jacobs is out because if Jacobs starts, he's RB one in your rankings and rightfully so in this spot against the chargers. But if Jacobs is out, what we've seen so far is Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden not handle more than three carries, either of them, in any game this year. So you would assume, even though they've been active for more games than Zamir White, you would assume White profiles as the early down goal line bruiser in place of Jacobs. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on that backfield sans Jacobs. Yeah, I just want to underline the fact that Jacobs played through that calf injury, and that's one of the worst injuries for a running back to play through, according to Adam Hutchinson's numbers, 20-30% drop in production first game back from a from a calf injury. So really impressive uh, performance uh, for Josh Jacobs. And, you know, he finished the game, so I would assume he would play this week. Uh, but if he doesn't, uh, I do agree. I mean, you're looking at the last four weeks, RBBC report for the Raiders. Samir White has five carries for 26 yards. Amir Abdullah has three catches for 16 yards and 11 catches for 85 yards. So we probably see, you know, no catches for Zamir White. So what you probably see is White in that early down ball carrying type role. Uh, getting most of the carries with Abdullah rotating in as the passing down back. I don't think they want to turn to Brandon Bolden as their lead back. So I think you do see a white Abdullah uh, combination there. Uh, if, if Jacobs has to sit. FFPC league free agency still open for the next two weeks hopping. And I know you and I both snuck teams into the playoffs with Connor uh, Paulson. I'm not sure if your team with your friends got in, you can update on us on that or ignore my question. If it didn't move through, but what are you doing with this Raiders backfield, knowing that Jacob is questionable and Abdullah and Bolden, at least, are available on most wires? Maybe White on some as well. I do think at this point they're all worth an ad. If if you're in the playoffs for FFPC leagues, I have to imagine your running back position is pretty, pretty solidified at this point. So I would very much struggle to plug any of them into a starting lineup if Jacobs was out, because I do think they, again, distribute the workload quite a bit if if he doesn't play. But again, certainly 
again, any running backs that are available on the wire are worth adding at this point. I think I would probably lean uh, Abdullah over the rest of them just because he's been involved in the passing game this year. But it's it's really not a pretty picture outside of Josh Jacobs in that backfield. Let's get to the big one, which is touch and go. Because Elijah Mitchell, yes, out of the way. Six to eight weeks, maybe returns in the actual NFL postseason, but now easily droppable fantasy. But Christian McCaffrey reportedly suffered a knee irritation on Monday and looking like he's day-to-day and the worst news for us, reading the tea leaves, probably limited and questionable throughout the week, even at practice. Having said that, Tyrion Davis-Price, healthy scratch this past, for the past couple of games, I would guess because he doesn't play, play special teams and Jordan Mason does. That's why Jordan Mason then received a season high five carries this past week whenever both CMC and Mitchell were unavailable because they were both injured. But Paulson, 49ers beat reporters also believe we're going to see Tevin Coleman promoted from the practice squad. Tevin Coleman, of course, who was the RB9 in week five, which seems like a long time ago, but does have that under his belt under Kyle Shanahan this year. What are your thoughts on this situation, whether McCaffrey plays or not? So we may have to have two discussions here. I think you underlined that situation with Mason and Davis Price pretty well. Uh, Mason plays a lot on special teams. Uh, Davis Price does play on special teams. You, you say he didn't, but he he does a little bit. <laughs> Five snaps in week six, eight in week seven, but I don't think that they view him as you know, their special teams running back like they do Mason. So sometimes we see that where the third back, you know, stumbles into some carries because of an injury to the second back and maybe the first back's dinged up in the the situation McCaffrey and Mason ended up with some, some touches. And then the following week when that, you know, Elijah Mitchell, the RB2 is out, uh, another guy gets promoted. It could be Coleman, it could be Davis Price. And they end up jumping, uh, leapfrogging the special teams back. We see this quite often. Uh, so that's well, we'll have to keep an eye on the, the inactives in terms of who they decide to promote and have. If they have Coleman, it does seem like there's a level of trust there that uh Shanahan has with him that he doesn't maybe have with these younger backs. Um, I, I probably would view Coleman as the RB2 uh, behind McCaffrey if McCaffrey's able to play, and then if, if it's Davis Price, that does also indicate some trust in him. Uh, but I, I would say it's kind of a coin flip as to whether or not he or Mason uh, get the get the work. Uh, Mason was actually pretty good last week. I think forty six carries on, or forty six yards on ten carries. Uh, Davis's Davis Price has uh, sixteen carries for thirty seven yards on the season. So you know yards per carry is not the greatest metric in the world, but it's you know coaches do pay attention to it. So you know Mason ran pretty well last week. He might get the nod over Davis Price. Uh, but as you mentioned, Coleman is kind of the wild card there. And TDP Mason 14-0 in week two before he suffered that high ankle sprain. And then also when he returned from that ankle sprain, out-touched Tevin Coleman 7-0 in week seven. Jordan Mason healthy scratched in that game since Tevin Coleman also plays special teams. Pretty important for the third back, whoever's active for the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan, his entire coaching career. Sam, I've looked at the waivers yet again on FFPC main events. SFBX playoffs also heading into the second round, I believe, this week. Uh, all these guys, TDP, Tevin Coleman, they're out there. I have some massive bids on some. So how are you handling 
these players in free agency in these deeper 10-man bench leagues? So I, I do think I'd rather have a piece of this 49ers backfield than the Raiders backfield that we just talked about because they the, the offense is just better. Um, Paulson mentioned that Mason had 10 carries last week. He has 10 carries this year. Um, he had five last week and had 25 yards, averaged uh, 1.18 rushing yards over expectation per carry, which is uh, pretty good. Again, a, a very small sample, but got a touch on over half of the snaps that he played. So I think that Mason is probably where I would lean as number one and then Coleman two with Davis price three. Again, like Tevin Coleman is just sort of around at this point. Like it's, it's crazy that he's still plugging and chugging with the the 49ers, but it's, it's a situation again, they, they play the dolphins this, this week who should be able to put points up against them. So it's not like it'll be, uh, I don't think an overly positive game script for, the 49ers in what I am trademarking the Shanahan scheme showdown, but it's, it'll be, I, I think interesting to see how, how the, these touches get distri- distributed if McCaffrey is out. So we all came to a different conclusion. Helps no one. Great. Paulson. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson making his debut debut against this JV Texans team. But it is Paul. It is Watson's first game. He did perform poorly in the preseason. What are we expecting here for his debut? Yeah, I'm having trouble ranking him this week. Just level of confidence. But you know, when he's been um, when he's been starting and active and in a normal season, he's a top five fantasy quarterback. So um, I think this is a going to be a. You know, I, I tweeted like I just realized that this was. His first game is at Houston. It's wild. I don't know if NFL planned this or what, but oh, <laughs> like, buddy, uh, when it's a, when it's an eleven game suspension, not a ten game suspension, uh, they planned this. That this uh, is this is all about the money. It's wild. Uh, you know, he averaged uh, three hundred one yards, two point one touchdowns per game in twenty twenty. He's never averaged less than two fifty seven, one point six touchdowns in the last three seasons. The interesting thing here is the matchup is that the Texans have been like weirdly stingy against the pass. They've only given up 10 touchdown pass touchdowns, but they have been giving up uh yard, uh, six most yards per attempt, 7.6. So there's some opportunity here, but they tend to be low scoring games with Houston. And uh, I think managers that are looking at him as a starter, like would the best would best be served waiting a week to see how he does in his first game back. There's going to be a lot of drama and emotion surrounding this game. I don't know that he comes out, and tears it up. The the Houston uh, Texans are bad against the run. The the Browns could just, you know, hand it off 30, 40 times to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and win the game and kind of ease Watson back into the mix and not ask him to do too much in his first game back. Um, on the other hand, he does have a lot more talent than some of these other QB twos that we're perhaps looking at uh, to, to stream this week. So um, yeah, he's dicey, uh, but talented. Well, completely agree. I want him to go off of my bench. I don't trust him in my starting lineup in his first game back, especially because waiver wires out there. I know Trevor Lawrence, Jared Goff, uh, even Mike White, and perhaps Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love are out there. And I think I'd start all over Deshaun Watson this week. But Sam, speaking of their pass catchers, 
Uh, I know there is hype for them to to be elevated from Watson, but at the same time, like I don't know how much more meat on the is on the bone. Amari Cooper's the wide receiver 13 in fantasy points per game. Dominic Peoples Jones is the wide receiver 43. David Njoku's the tight end seven. So, like, what else are we expecting from Watson? That's that's a really good question. I mean, it's I struggle with that too. I think if if this week we see Deshaun Watson play like he has played in the past, it could elevate someone. I think like the um excuse me, Donovan Peoples-Jones, up to a potentially high-end wide receiver three. You're going to keep starting Amari Cooper. You're going to keep starting David Njoku while he's healthy. But I think the other thing to, that that I'll be paying close attention to, and it'll be tough to distinguish in this game if it goes away that Cleveland gets out to a big lead, is do they change their pass rush splits with Watson versus the quarterbacks that they've had over the past several years. They have notoriously been a run first offense and rightfully so they have one of the one of if not the best backfield in the entire league and haven't had quarterbacks that can necessarily push the ball downfield or push it downfield well. And so if they're in neutral game scripts, are they going to lean on Watson? I think for this game they probably don't and they probably won't have to, but that's the other thing holding these Browns pass catchers back is the fact that they have continued to lean on the run and be a run first team. I could just add to that. the You, you outlined it well, uh, John, that, that they've really performed well, given what we kind of thought from Amari Cooper and Peoples-Jones and Njoku, but the, the Browns are just 17th and passing yards on the year they're 23rd in passing touchdowns on the year Brissett averages like 7.1 yards per attempt and Deshaun Watson has a career 8.3 yards per attempt so I think there is actually some upside here I just I think the question is is after a year off and all this drama how does he play is he still the same Deshaun Watson that we've seen in his career or does it take him the rest of the season to sort of get back to that sort of form leading the league in passing yards without DeAndre Hopkins and for two months without Will Fuller, the last time we saw him, it doesn't carry much weight to your point because that was also a year and a half ago. So what happens then, which is why you and I are both on the same side and just waiting to see, at least in this first game, how it plays out. On the other side of the ball, though, in this particular matchup, Balson, Damian Pierce, 20 touches the last two games, 1.6 yards per touch, and no hope. But Rex Burkhead in concussion protocol, and also we know this Browns defense has leaked the, a top five rate of 10 plus yard runs to opposing backfields. So you would think on paper, at least, it's a great spot to get back on Pierce. Where are you ranking him in week 13? I still have him ranked as sort of a low end RB2. I mean, he was flirting with those you know, RB1 rankings when he was going through his good midseason stretch there. I mean, he had a really nice stretch. Uh, but then the last two weeks, Washington, 10 carries, 8 yards. Uh, Miami, 5 carries, 8 yards. Uh, and Miami wasn't like a bad matchup either. It just, you know, Miami tends to jump out to leads and teams don't run against them as much. They're 16th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. But to your point, the, the Browns are 32nd, last in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. 
this has to be a get right game for Pierce. I think my one concern is that his snaps dropped to 56% last week against Miami. They weren't uh, using him as much. Uh, but if they want to win this game, which I assume they do since it's against Deshaun Watson, they really need to to run the ball, uh, keep that Cleveland offense off the field as much as possible and work their advantage, which is their you know, theoretically strong running game, at least with a good running back against uh, the league's worst or one of the league's worst uh, rush defenses. Sam, I actually want to change it up and come to you about the Bucks backfield because we are waiting out this Leonard Fournette news. And what we saw was Rashad White did get there, especially in half PPR, PPR leagues, with his nine catches last week, uh, still performed poorly as, an, as a rusher on the ground. But at the same time, we have to ask, was it enough to hold off Fournette in the passing game if Leonard comes back this week? So what are your thoughts on Rashad White if Fournette is active, because we don't need to ask the question about Rashad White if Fournette's out. We just started. I would struggle to start Rashad White if Fournette is active. I don't think I don't think that White did enough to truly separate himself. He was terribly inefficient uh against again the, the Browns defense that we just talked about, which is the worst rushing defense in the league. Again, he got the passing work, which is is huge and what helped make his day valuable for fantasy. But it's not a situation where I think if Fournette is active, they're just going to hand the, the tides over to White. So I'd probably be sitting him if Fournette was active. I If at best, I think is a flex option. Uh, but they do pay, play the, the Saints who have always played the Bucks uh, tough in the last couple of years while Brady has been act uh, on the team. The tough part is that this game is Monday night. So there's a chance you don't find out about Fournette until, until Monday. So I don't know, monitor the practice reports. Obviously I think if signs are trending towards Fournette playing, I would be a little bit more conservative and start someone else over white. Would, How would you handle Fournette in that game if he plays Paulson? Well, I just want to comment on uh, White. I mean, you look at what he did the last two weeks against uh, Seattle, 22 carries, 105 yards. Um, I, you know, you guys made it sound like he didn't do much against Cleveland in the running game, but looking at his game log, 14 carries for 64 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. Didn't score a touchdown, which I think is the issue, but he had 109 total yards. This Bucks offense has been so bad in the running game that the fact that he has back-to-back weeks averaged 4.57 yards per carry or more, uh, I think, and he's also started both the games. And we forget that he started that game in London or it was a Germany uh, against Seattle. Um, so he's got back-to-back starts. It looks like they're shifting away from Fournette. So the way I would treat it if Fournette's back to answer your question is I still would have, I mean, obviously white's going to, drop from the like mid-range RB2 level down to RB2, RB3 with Fournette active. But I don't think Fournette comes back and has a big, you know, lead back type workload given the way that uh, Rashad White has performed over the last couple of weeks. And in the first half of that game in Munich before Fournette got injured, reminder, he outtouched Rashad White 14 to 10, had, had 14 to 10, yes. And then 
We also know White hasn't out-targeted Fournette in any game this year. So I lean your way as well, that it's most likely a timeshare. Also, you added that caveat, the Bucs offense has been bad in the running game. You could have just stopped after bad. Just cut it off and just say, yes, Bucs, bad, everything. For Jamar Chase, though, rumors are he's going to return this year. He said as much, or this week, he said as much. Uh, Zach Taylor seems to have said as much. Joe Burrow believes he's returning. Beat reporters believe he's returning. I'll still believe it when I see it. But at the same time, Paulson, let's assume he's back. Uh, We don't know if he would be limited in his first game back. And what is the highest total of the week? 53 points. How are you handling Chase in his first game uh, from injury? Well, if he's active, you start him. The last time he played Kansas City, he had 11, or at least the regular season, 11 uh, catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns on 12 targets. You know, maybe he plays 60, 70% of the snaps instead of 90% of the snaps, but he can certainly still get there in that sort of workload. Um, I, I feel like he's a, he's one of those guys that he's that talented that if he's active, you pretty much have to start him unless they're, they're saying he's going to have a very, very limited role. Sam, T. Higgins popping up these past two games as a top 12 wide receiver without Jamar Chase, as Higgins is clearly at full health. So how would you move T Higgins down or up or alongside chase. If chase is active here. I mean, for this week specifically, I'd keep Higgins right where he is, maybe bump him down one or two spots, but this game is expected to be a shootout. The, The Bengals are passing the ball at one of the highest rates in the league, which is great to see. They're going to have to do that against the chiefs. Higgins has been, uh, he scored four touchdowns this year, I think is is a good red zone threat for them as well. And so it's it's a situation where, again, we don't know right now what Chase's availability is going to be, even if he is active. And so, I mean, if you have Higgins, you're starting him. I think Tyler Boyd is probably the one guy who people are more on the fence with. But in this game specifically, I'd still be starting Tyler Boyd as, as at least a flex option because I think he actually has been playing, has played a little bit better with Chase in the lineup because defenses are taking uh, attention away from guys like Boyd and putting it on Jamar Chase. So all three of these wide receivers, I think, have tremendous upside, especially this week. Any thoughts on Tyler Boyd, Paulson? Because yes, I agree, a flex option just given the matchup, but I don't have any like analytics as to why he's basically disappeared off the face of the earth the past few games. No, and he's good enough to perform in a, you know, as our wide receiver two to, to Higgins, uh, really disappointing. Really. You look at the last two games, two for 42 against Pittsburgh on seven targets, two for 16 on four targets against Tennessee. I know he uh, missed a few snaps came out. They looked at him, evaluated him for a concussion I think in that Tennessee game last week. So, you know, he has a tendency to just pop his head up every once in a while, four for 105 against the, and a touchdown against the Jets in week three, eight for 155 and a touchdown against Atlanta, but otherwise not clearing 70 yards all year. Uh, so I, he's more of a dart, dart throw wide receiver, three wide receiver, four type for me if, if Chase is back. I mean, I think the, the thing you can say if Chase is out, then there's targets up for grabs. And they're not really throwing to their other receivers a whole lot. Uh, so Boyd should see uh, a higher floor, but we really haven't seen that the last couple of weeks. 
And Boyd will definitely get played at least in DFS this week, even if Chase is back because we're all sick puppies. Mike Evans has not finished inside the top 35 receivers in three consecutive games. And whether you watch the film and see these prayer yards that are thrown over his head as uncatchable throws, whether you look at the, the stats and 18 quarterbacks having that made 50 pass attempts, 10 plus yards downfield this year. Brady's has the fourth lowest completion rate of all of them on those throws and the lowest touchdown rate on those throws as well this year. You could just argue that Evans and this offense are just a product of one another and being bad. So are you worried about Mike Evans, Paulson, moving forward as Godwin continues soaking up the higher target share here? Yeah, I mean, watching the the Bucks last week, uh, it just seems like Brady and Godwin have a better rapport right now than Brady and uh, Evans. But, I mean, Evans is, is going to score some touchdowns here at some point. And it's just inevitable. It's just when is it going to happen? He's been popping in our breakout receiver model for several weeks, uh, but it hasn't happened. Um, but as you mentioned, it's more prayer yards right now than air yards. Uh, Tom Brady is 27th in adjusted fantasy, I'm sorry, adjusted completion percentage over at PFF. Uh, so, you know, he's there with Russell Wilson and below Mitch Trubisky uh, at 27. So uh, not a whole lot of optimism other than the fact that you're you're thinking at some point that these two who have really performed well together over the last couple of years can get on the same page and get it going. And you think that, you know, they would eventually score. They are scoring some touchdowns now, uh, just haven't gone to Evans. Anything you're seeing from the Bucks passing game, Sam? So the other thing to note here with Mike Evans is they play the Saints and they have no uh Marshawn Lattimore has notably shut down Mike Evans quite a bit, but Lattimore has not played since week five. And if you'll recall, both were ejected in the game back in week two, uh, with Evans getting suspended the following week. So I I would not, that said, I, I would not shy away from starting Mike Evans just because, just if uh, Lattimore does return this week, I think uh, that's a little bit overhyped at this point. But uh, it's nice to see Chris Godwin actually find the end zone recently because he had uh, been similar to Deontay Johnson with having a ton of targets but zero touchdowns. So I think Godwin and... Evans, you continue to start the the tight end position for Tampa Bay has become muddier and muddier. Um, so I'm not starting either of them. And the the Bucks have continued to pass the ball more less than expected, which is much different than what they've been the past several years. Brayton Otten, to your point, sharing routes run and thus like every other tight end behind Travis Kelsey, spin a wheel and pick one. Doesn't matter at all. Sam, I have on my notes that you want to talk about the Falcons running backs, and my question is why. So please, let's see the charts, and let's discuss some Atlanta backfield fallout. Look, I want to talk about the Falcons backfield, but at least I don't want to talk about any tight ends, which uh, you have That's noted several times you. is uh, a very bleak and desperate position in fantasy football. But... um I saw a question in the chat of whether someone should drop Corey or Patterson for JK Dobbins. I don't think that's the right way to go. I, I do think Patterson at this point is probably the only Falcons player worth starting when he returned. It looked like there might be some room for Tyler Algier, but Algier played 
uh, 38.6% of the team snaps, which is his lowest since week three. But Patterson's snap share has gone up each of the last three weeks. He's up. To, he was up to 57.9% uh, this past week. And I think uh, with six high value touches, that was his season high as well. It's, it's interesting with how much the Falcons run the ball that they rank fourth lowest in high value touches per game given to the running back position. That's obviously a lot of that uh, is because they're not passing the ball to their running backs, but also not uh, necessarily giving it to them when they get in closer or not getting into the red zone that often. So I think at this point, Patterson, you can still probably start. He has, as we've seen, the ability to fall into the end zone a couple times in a given week. But outside of that, Algier and Caleb Huntley are at, at best bench stashes. Damian Williams, of course, also expected back in the next couple of games, even though I feel like I've been saying that it's, for the last couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I, can I just uh, mention that, uh, you know, Patterson's a player that we, we wonder why he doesn't get more targets uh, for a, a, like a bad receiving core that the, the Falcons have. Uh, he did see five targets last week with Kyle Pitts out. So that was his most since week one. Uh, it was more than he had. It was more than he had in the, in the three previous games, uh, which was four. Uh, so there is a little bit of upside there as a receiver for him. He had 14 touches. Um, and it did, it does look like that Thursday game against Carolina in week 10 was a blip. Like they were purposefully, limiting his workload in that game coming off of the injury and a pretty big workload in week nine. And they've come back to him uh, 12 touches and 14 touches the last two weeks. You don't see anything from Drake London as well, right? Paulson, uh, 16% target share this past game. They, they literally, this is, was always my concern is that just like Pitts, they don't move the needle for their skill players. Like Arthur Smith calls his offense. He doesn't cater to his personnel. And so nothing changed and. Uh, this first game, at least with Pitts on IR this past week. Yeah, and it was really uh, Zacchaeus that, you know, had the good game. So, you know, you're hoping that not you're hoping with Pitts out that you, he's going to come in and uh, London's going to come in and all of a sudden see 10 targets. But, you know, he only saw four. Uh, he did have a couple touchdowns the previous two games, but, you know, five for 38 and a touchdown and then one for two yards and a touchdown is just not really sustainable in this passing attack. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're expecting a lot more than four targets in a game where Kyle Pitts is gone. You should see at least eight for, for London and design plays. And the CPAC question. I, what I always come back to is add more flexes and less bench spots because that makes leagues the most fun because you're then pressed with those questions of, do I have to drop Cooper cup right now? Do I drop quarter Patterson right now? Uh, put those decisions on every manager. It just makes fantasy football more fun to sweat out those terrible decisions you might make. Sam, we saw this past week from the Packers running backs that A.J. Dillon outperformed Aaron Jones, at least on the ground, even though Aaron Jones still outcarried him. So what are your thoughts on this backfield moving forward? I, I think it's still status quo. I, I, I'm not buying into the A.J. Dillon performance. It was just his second game this season with double-digit PPR points. He found the end zone for the first time since week one. It's it's truly been, I think, worst-case scenario for Dillon, 
this season with Jones staying healthy and them just not uh, wanting to hand over the reins from a running running uh, perspective. He hasn't played on over 50% of the snaps. Uh, he's, or excuse me, he's done it just once since week four, which is not great. He is getting some touches in the red zone. He had three high value touches this past week and, and just two in the previous two weeks combined. So it's, I, I still, I'm holding on to Dylan in the event that something happens to Jones, but I'm not starting him based on his one week outlier performance based on what we've seen from him the rest of the rest of the season. I, I think know you start- have thoughts, Paulson. Yeah. yeah, I think he's I think he's startable this week against Chicago because Chicago is so bad. I, I'm That's just looking fair. at his I'm looking at his game log uh, and his uh, strength of schedule, and it's just if you just look back to week four through week eleven, he had six of eight were red bad matchups. The other two were neutral matchups. There's some a, a few weird ones in there, like Detroit's now a, a red matchup, uh, which just doesn't compute in my brain. But apparently they've been playing pretty good rush defense. Last week against Philly, green matchup, you know, had they had the good eight yards per carry. Uh, this week's another another great matchup against Chicago. He has a bye in week 14. And then the Rams, uh, Miami and Minnesota, which are all neutral matchups. So I, I agree that he's not like somebody I want to run out and start. Um, but if they have their running game going, which they did against Philly, both Jones, because he can also contribute as a receiver, and Dylan. Uh, do have a little bit, at least, I mean, Dylan has some flex. I mean, obviously Jones is an RB1, RB2, but Dylan at least is in that flex conversation in good matchups where uh, the Packers can control the line of scrimmage. Uh, and he's also, you know, interestingly was used as a receiver against Philly too, three catches for 24 yards. So um, I do think that you mentioned his upside. If there's anything happens to Jones, absolutely RB1 upside if, if Jones uh, is injured. Uh, but I think, yeah, he's probably RB3 flex type. But I think this week is a week where you could start him. And more importantly, Aaron Jones still being used, as you mentioned, in the passing game. And what I noted in the waiver wire podcast, the Bears, their last five games, 34 and a half points per game in that stretch. Also 9.4 yards per attempt. Just an absolute disaster. Sam, you want to discuss the Titans wide receivers because Traylon Burks now has has led this wide receiver core and target per route run rate, 25% since he returned in week 10. And what we saw with this past week was him lead Nick Westbrook-Akeen and routes run for the first time since Burke was initially injured in week four. So we think this usage and on-field opportunity are finally creating a cocktail for us and for Burks to break out. Your thoughts on this team? Yeah, I'm I'm very bullish on Burks right now for the rest of the season. We've seen his route share rise each of the last several games so as he's you know sort of gotten further removed from that injury he's getting more ingrained in the offense he has 20 targets in the last three games combined which is more than the 16 targets that he had in his first four games he's got at least 70 receiving yards in back-to-back games found the end zone on a definitely not fluky play in the game against the Bengals this last week but the other thing to note is that with Ryan Tannehill back, which they they came back in the same week, uh, they the Titans have a negative 0.8% pass rate over expectation, which doesn't so- sound high. It's, it is negative, but 
for a team like the Titans, who are typically around negative five, negative six percent, that is is huge. And so I think if they the Titans continue at least stay steady with that pass rate, that Burks can continue to to thrive and have a great second half breakout, which we see from rookie receivers all the time. Tannehill, at least 34 pass attempts in two of his last three games. And unlike what they did with 360 rushing yards against the Packers, you can't run on the Titans. So this game, I I love the over. I've been eyeing this game for DFS for all week long now. Uh, But Paulson, any thoughts on Titans wide receiver room and Traylon Burke's rest of season? Also, we have Tannehill in a sneaky spot against the Jaguars in week 14 to be ahead of two if we're thinking about picking him up this week. Uh, you know, Burks, it's encouraging. He's got six, eight, and six targets the last three games, and you know, in a fairly run heavy offense like the like the Titans have, that's encouraging. Seven for 111, uh, and then four for 70. His numbers look a little inflated because he recovered a touchdown last week uh, on a fumble. So he ended up with 18.1 fantasy points in week 11, 17 in week 12. Uh, He feels a little dicey to me just because, you know, Tannehill, yes, he's better than uh, the other options there at quarterback, but uh, he's got 10 touchdowns in nine games. Uh, So I I do think there's a yardage, a possible yardage breakout for Burks, but I just don't have much confidence that he's going to catch a touchdown in any given week. He doesn't have, uh, uh, he recovered a touchdown on a fumble before he caught one this year, which is pretty crazy. Two back-to-back games with at least one 50-yard play are still encouraging. Sam, let's discuss the Chiefs wide receivers, which, like a lot of backfields this week, are touch and go all over the place. Justin Watson has led this team in routes run in back-to-back games, but you wouldn't know it because he's earned just six targets in that time. Meanwhile, Sky Moore has run the fewest routes among their wide receivers, ran a lower route rate than even Judas Mishuster, who was used the team's third wide receiver this past week. But Sky Moore, even though his opportunity continues to dip, he still has earned a target on 32% of his routes the past two games, averaging six in those contests. So what the hell do we make of this receiver's room ahead of a 53-point blow-up spot? So... This is tough because Patrick Mahomes is leading the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. These receivers can have a blow-up game at at any point because of what Mahomes can do. But Moore has hit a season-high 42.1% routes per dropback rate in Week 11, which was the game that both Juju and uh, Mikko Hardman were out. Justin Watson has more games with a routes run rate above 50% than Moore does. Moore doesn't have any, and Watson has three. Again, he's gotten six targets in each of the last two weeks. So that said, I'm comfortable dropping Moore at this point if you still are holding on to him. I think MVS, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, is probably the second best option right now. Again, we don't really know with Kadarius Tony. I think he is not practicing today, but this this passing attack behind Travis Kelsey is just so unconcentrated. They have eight players with a target share between five and 15%. That's tied for the sixth most in the league. Again, it's, it's tough to sit any of these players because 
of the spike week potential that they have. But Juju, I think if healthy, you can probably comfortably plug him into your lineup. He hasn't had great touchdown luck, but continues to receive a ton of targets. And Valdez, Scantling, Tony, and Hardman are the only other receivers I'd consider holding on to at this point. And Juju was only limited Paulson on Friday before getting clear from the concussion protocol. So I would imagine that played into his third highest route rate on the team last week. Having said that, I still need you to rank them for everyone against the Bengals for week 13. All of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to mention that I think that was the ramp up game for, for Juju. He'd be the one, you know, other than Kelsey, obviously, uh, Juju, be the, Juju would be the one that I would start. He had, uh, against the Bengals. He had 12 targets in his last healthy game. Uh, he was knocked out early in that uh, previous game. The game, you know, obviously he missed a game because of the concussion. Came back and was limited on Friday. I think that was the ramp-up game for him. And then I've got, you know, Valdez, Scantling, and Watson, and Moore in that order, but I don't feel confident about any of them. Uh, so, I, I mean, I would feel pretty confident about Juju Smith-Schuster playing 60-70% of the snaps, and I think that's a good spot for him against Cincy. The 21st and just the fantasy points allowed to receivers. My toxic trait is also keeping Kadarius Tony rostered, even though he's going to have a hamstring injury every day through the 2022 season. Paulson, lots of touch and go. So I think it's just easiest to sign off and saying make sure – you are locked in to 44.com this week for both our podcast and articles for the rest of the week. But any other thoughts you want to leave everyone ahead of week 13? Yeah, we'll be, you know, watching these injuries all week. Uh, we'll have the podcast, uh, the podcast is back on Friday with Anthony. So uh, we'll discuss all these situations then. Um, but just I'll, I'll keep the rankings as updated as I can, given all these uh, injuries and injury statuses. Uh, a lot of running back injuries, especially uh, to deal with. Sam, I heard that the best hop to conclusions of week 13 was written. It was. Uh, not only was it written, it was posted this morning. Uh, we've already got uh, thousands of sponsorship opportunities because of the article. Uh, but that that is out now. The, the breakout article will be back tomorrow as well. And then charts on over on Twitter. As Paulson said, make sure you tune into that fr Friday show with him and Anthony because we will have a clear view of injury reports at that time waiver wire column also updated for potential playoff matchups and stashes and will be updated again as you're listening to this wednesday afternoon for everyone since playoffs are right here for a lot of people so until then you know where to find us we'll be back and remember be a little bit kinder than what's required we'll see you next time